Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Books, Bites, Booze, the podcast. If you're new here, I'm Madison. Hey, I'm Alexis. And on this episode, we are going to wrap up our discussion on the dating plan. And also at the end of this episode, we have an exclusive interview with Sarah Desai, the author of The Marriage Plan and The Dating Plan. And we also get a little sneak peek into a new book that she has coming out in November called The Singles Table. So definitely keep listening to hear that. We talk about um, inspiration behind the characters in the dating plan, uh, her writing style. She even gives us a dessert recipe that her and her girls make. So, Oh my gosh, it sounded so delicious. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make it. I know, I've got to make it. So definitely keep listening for that. So we're going to kick off this episode with our cocktails. Alexis, what are you drinking? Woo-hoo. So I actually am using a cocktail recipe book. I stepped up my game a little bit. Woo-hoo. Yes. Uh, My roommate, Bethany, she gave me this book called Tequila Mockingbird. It's super cute. um, And it's cocktails with a literary twist. But I made the drink called Drankenstein. And so it's one ounce melon liquor, one ounce tequila, and just one can of club soda. And I'm just going to read what it said to do because I just followed the book. But it says... (laughs) Pour the liquor and tequila over ice in a highball glass, which I don't really know what that means. So I just used a tall glass because that's what's in the picture. Then fill to the top with the club soda. Um, And then it says light a few candles, lock the door and guard your potion with monosyllabic grunts. That's yes. So (laughs) but it's really good. That's really cool. I love that book, though. That's really cool. And we love a good name. I love a good drink name. Yeah, it's very on brand for us. Tequila Mockingbird. I get like some that. books. I am on. a tequila drinker. Yeah. All right. What are you drinking, Madison? Okay, I am drinking. Um, first of all, I have to show you my cup. My cup. It says, "I throw f bombs around like confetti." <laughs> that is so it has my mom's name on it. I found it in her ca- cabinet today, so that's what I'm drinking out of. But I'm drinking, um, I don't have a name for this, and I just said I love a good name, so now I need to make up a name for it. But, okay, I'm calling it the F-bomb, since I'm drinking out of this cup. Okay, the F-bomb. It is Tito's and cranberry Mm -hmm. with a little bit of Malibu and some Sprite to top it off. Yum. Love a good it's not as fancy as yours, but oh my goodness, no! Stop! Good. I had to use a book. <laughs> oh. uh, well, cheers, Madison. Cheers. So, to just kind of recap a little bit where we left off and what we kind of went over in part one, the dating plan takes place in San Francisco. Uh, Daisy is a 27-year-old software engineer for a company called Organicare, and they sell feminine hygiene products. Uh, Liam Murphy is the other main character, and he was the best friend of Daisy's older brother, Sanjay. And he spent most of his time in their childhood over at their house because he came from a pretty rough home life. 
Uh, on Daisy's senior prom, Liam was supposed to take her and completely stood her up, disappeared off the face of the earth for 10 years, and basically just broke her heart. And she was, her and her family both still hold a lot of animosity towards Liam for that. She's at a tech conference one day. She runs into Liam. So Daisy comes from a Indian culture and Liam comes from the Irish culture. Very close, very tight knit. They want to set Daisy up with a respectable guy and they want her to, you know, get married and settle down. But Daisy is spirit. She's her own person. That's not what she wants to do at all. They meet uh, at this tech conference. They run into each other. She's not thrilled to see him at all. But they hatch this plan for a fake engagement to get her family off of her back. But we also learn that Liam has inherited the distillery that was in his family for generations when his grandfather died uh, under one condition, and that is that he gets married by his next birthday, which is in two months, and the marriage lasts a year. So they both kind of get something out of this, I guess, fake engagement plan. Hence the dating plan. They set up literally a plan because Daisy is organized, has organized her life by spreadsheets. They hatch this dating plan to go on dates and meet different members of her family, meet his friends, and make it seem more real. Yes. So on these dates, we pick up where we left off from our last episode. It's a scheduled date. I believe it's date number four. Mm -hmm. And she and Liam go to a hockey game. And it was one of my favorite scenes in the book. I actually loved looking at this part of Daisy's personality because you can tell Liam, you know, he totally fits that sports guy type. He that's his element. But then when Daisy gets to the game, you just see this other side of herself come out. You don't expect her to be a big sports fan, but she talks about how she used to watch the games with her dad and how she knows everything about it. She starts spitting off statistics about the players. She knows all the stuff. And she dresses up in the full Sharks fan <laughs> gear that Liam has. And they just Liam have the best just time. The sports gear. Oh, he no. goes over the Tahoe full of like floaty sharks, blow up sharks, hats, jerseys, face paint foam fingers like the whole nine yards he is like that crazed sports fan that you see on tv so oh yeah that was hilarious <laughs> and daisy doesn't do it at first but then liam keeps talking about it and keeps like pushing her and then daisy finally goes in and puts it on and she becomes one of those people too and so they go to the hockey game they have a great time and of course just like all the other dates they kind of forget that it's fake and they just have an amazing time together one of her aunts of course is there and so they go over and they say hey to the aunt and the i think it's like her aunt her uncle and there was a another cousin Little maybe cousins, I think. yeah before they go up there daisy was like no she's gonna offer you food do not take it you will like, it's going to make you sick. It's terrible. She cannot cook. Do not eat it. And so they walk up and of course the aunt offers Liam food and Liam just takes it, eats it, eats like multiple bites of it. And instantly Liam has just won the best boyfriend award instantly. He is in yeah. this aunt. She's obsessed with him. And I just loved seeing the whole integration of him and her into this part of their lives. It was really yeah, cute. I did too. And uh, But to end the day, they run into some guys that he used to work with. 
and um, they kind of call him out on his bullshit and don't believe the engagement at all. And they have some pretty nasty things to say about Daisy, too. And in that moment, we kind of see the jealous, kind of angry, bad boy side of Liam, I think. Because mm-hmm. he didn't take well to Daisy being talked to like that. They basically just said, um, you know, this is bullshit because a couple months ago you were hooking up with the big tip blonde. So how are you engaged to a woman like this now? So I don't know. I think that was kind of the first time we saw the angry side of Liam and not like the all happy, you know, how he's all charming guy that he's been the whole time. Yeah, and Daisy kind of pushes him back because she can tell he's about to get violent. And she's also pissed off herself. You know, she's not really taking these guys well. She's giving them sass back. She's not really doing this. And she just kind of ends the conversation with them, takes Liam's arms and walked away. Like, she wasn't about to entertain it any longer. So, but that definitely, it was a great date. And then that kind of brought him back to reality of, you know, people aren't always going to believe that this is real. So after the date, they, to say that tensions were high, might be a a little underestimating the situation (laughs) because they go back to Daisy's house and they break their no hookup, no strings attached. We're not going to hook up or have sex or anything like that. They break the rule. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) break basically all of the furniture in her bedroom as well. I mean, broken, no coming back, like getting the rid of it. Board, the dresser, the desk, all of it was broken by the time it was over. So, yeah, that's they that had, was a very steamy moment. Yeah, I mean, steamy to say the least. I mean, it was just like, ooh, mind-blowing And sex. Daisy fairly enjoyed herself. <laughs> yeah. It was so cute. Was that the that was the Hulk bra or the the captain? It was some kind of Marvel underwear. It was the Hulk. The Hulk. Yeah, that was so cute. (laughs) And that's actually a funny story of how that was incorporated in the book because Sarah talks about it a little bit in the interview at the end of this episode, where um, basically she saw Marvel underwear while scrolling on the internet one day. And that's how it got put in there because her family and her daughters love the Marvel movie. So that's kind of a funny story about that. Yeah. It's got to see a little inside sneak peek on how she made that. But this sex scene was super sexy. Loved it. Enjoyed reading it. Not gonna lie. It was thoroughly enjoyable. It was. And it was just there. That kind of was their chemistry all just coming to a head. That was the moment where they weren't really pretending anymore. Like they were just like, I want you. You want me. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> um, so after that happens, uh, the next day we see kind of from Liam's perspective, and he actually takes his nephew to see the distillery that he's supposed to inherit. Which was um, such a and- sweet scene. Oh, so sweet. I loved seeing that side of him. Like, Uncle Liam. I don't know. It was so cute. I loved that. But basically what he finds when he gets to the distillery is it's completely broken down, just doesn't look very good at all. Um, And he realizes that he has a lot of work on his hands if he wants to inherit the distillery. So while he's there, um, some contractors show up 
and you know say that they're there to survey the land that his brother wants you know is getting ready to tear it down in one week so basically nobody believes that this engagement is real they still think that it's fake and like we said if Liam doesn't meet the constraints of the inheritance, then his brother gets it and we know that he's going to tear it down for the money. Yeah, I think it was also really disheartening for Liam throughout that whole scene because up until now, he hasn't seen the distillery since he was younger. He hasn't seen it in this state and everybody's been telling him like, no, the distillery is pretty run down. Like, no, the distillery needs to, you know, retire. Like it's not functioning as well as it used to and he doesn't really believe them. And then once he gets there with his nephew, like it kind of sinks in like, okay, this is, it needs more repairs than I thought. Yeah. And can I just make a comment that for this to be a fake engagement, they tell everybody that it's Oh a my goodness. Day. Yes. Everybody. <laughs> like they tell um, her, ta- um, Daisy's best friend, Layla knows basically mm-hmm. everything. Um, Who's her cousin? Her, yeah. Her cousin does. Liam gets to the distillery and tells the general manager that it's fake, yep. but that they're making yep. it look real for her family. It just really blows my mind. How all her coworkers? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah. But all then, of her like, coworkers. No yeah. It was freaking that. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a little non-believable. But anyway, that I just had to make that comment. Um, but yeah, I liked kind of seeing that side too and then we also saw at the end of that scene where Liam finally admitted that he was in love with Daisy and he has kind of always been in love with Daisy then uh the next date date five is they go to trivia night at the pub with and the goal of this date is to meet Liam's friends and Daisy's co-workers Yes, and kind of mingle the two, which back to your point, everyone knows it's a fake engagement. So the date of them all meeting is kind of like, it's kind of humorous to me because they all know. And the guy there hits on Daisy because he knows that it's fake. And then we really see Liam get jealous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then Daisy sees him get jealous and kind of plays to that. And then they start flirting and then they are not flirting anymore. They're just full on touching each other, like in the pub. And then the bartender friend uh, slides him over a key and says, get a room. And gives him the key to the back room. And so they go and have a nice steamy moment in the back room. Yeah. So then they broke the rule again after she swore after the first time. They do it again in the back office of the pub, which is very steamy. So almost as steamy. Get your heart rate up. Yes. Get your hearts rate up a little bit. (laughs) Yes. But I love seeing the two friend groups meet and mingle. And I thought it was really funny seeing um, the bartender finally meet Daisy. Because up until then, Liam's been going to that pub and drinking and telling the bartender about her. And now the bartender sees her and is like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and the bartender was one of the first ones to call him out on his shit and say, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. You know that you love her. Yeah. So... So then the next day after that is the motorcycle date. Yes. I love the motorcycle date. I love this date too. Yeah. 
This was a big turning moment in their relationship, I think, for me. Yes. Which, whenever the date started, they obviously had to get the outfits ready. You know, Daisy hadn't really been riding on the motorcycle, so she doesn't have any of the gear. So they go to the shop. And I thought that it was really interesting to kind of see the low-key sexism that goes on in it. You know, like they call them the old ladies and... um, you know, he didn't really take her seriously and the, the guy that's selling the clothes and he just kind of kept making comments and she just wasn't taking it. She wasn't even listening and she just got her stuff. And then their reaction when she came out in that full leather outfit ready Heck to yeah. go, <laughs> they were just like, oh, she's sexy. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, I loved that part too. And the motorcycle ride, though, was not what you would expect. Um, As you might think, you know, sometimes we'll see scenes of a motorcycle ride and the wind's blowing through your hair or whatever, and it's just such a magical moment. But in this scene, she is in pain, like, the full hour and a half that they're riding, in total pain, (laughs) like, really, really bad pain. Yes, like sore, can't move her legs when she gets off. It's like riding a bike, but more. And so every time that they get off, she's just more and more stiff, can't really move. But once they, you know, they bike all the way down this beautiful road and they're going to, I think it's a pub or a restaurant where he usually goes and it's like usually just bikers and they get there and lo and behold, there's this girl who's an old fling, you know, with Liam and uh daisy starts talking to her yes and daisy's (laughs) trying to get jealous because this girl i mean she's got some balls on her she just starts flirting it up with liam right there in front of daisy you know basically being like you know i've been with you hey how you been like you know let's pick this back up where we left it off and daisy is just too quick and she and liam both (laughs) throw out the engagement and so the girl kind of just like backs off a little bit and is like oh okay like you're engaged. You're clearly a different person. And she, again, is thrown off by the whole fake engagement and is like, you know, this doesn't really fit your personality, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was that to see Daisy get jealous in that moment was pretty funny for me because she's the one the whole time that's been, you know, this is fake. This is fake. This is fake. And so to see her actually get jealous over him was pretty funny. But once again, the date did not end pleasantly. It ended in a motorcycle crash. So we move into the hospital, and Daisy's in the hospital in a coma, but not like a severe coma. Like she's just, the doctors say she's going to be fine. She just needs to sleep it off. She's going to wake up. She's going to be okay. But Liam is not handling it well he's kind of freaking out and is just sitting in the waiting room he's blaming himself carrying a lot of guilt and you know he's meeting all these family members again that he's already met and I think it's kind of weighing on him that he did this to her you know he put her in this position he's come into her life he's made her ride a motorcycle he's met all his her family he's lied to all of her family members and now these people are coming into the waiting room and they're telling him it's okay. And they're telling him it's not his fault and they're trying to make it better. And he just is feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of guilt because he feels responsible for it. So it's kind of hard to watch 
him go through that personal struggle, but I also really enjoyed the scene, like watching him, like, you know, kind of learning about his interior. It's not a common side that you see from him, like carrying all this guilt. Right. And while he's there, Daisy's dad, um, who they have kind of been waiting and waiting to introduce Liam to, the dad um, is kind of like a reunion because he, his, her dad already knows Liam. He runs into Daisy's dad and Daisy's new girlfriend because, you know, they were out of town through the whole book. So they run into each other at the hospital. And I think that is the moment, too, that we see that, like, it wasn't just Liam going to their house when he was a kid, you know, just, oh, yeah, I'm best friends with your son. Like, it was like the whole family basically because we see Daisy's dad break down a little bit too and he expresses how hurt he is that Liam just left and no communication or anything for 10 years and he thought of Liam as a son so I think it was I like that part for basically everybody involved because I think it was a big turning point for Liam to see that this fake engagement with Daisy will affect more than just them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think about, I guess it makes me go back to my time in high school, like going over to my best friend's house every single day, her parents cooking me food, taking me to dinners, you know, like, yeah, would, it just takes you back to think how close you were to your, their parents too. And I think that's, it's such a relatable relationship to the book as well. Right. So after the hospital scene, um, after he, runs in to Daisy's dad and they have their little conversation. He finally, after three days of sitting by the door of Daisy's hospital room, he finally goes inside. Basically he tells her that he can't do it anymore. He can't fake it. And that there's real feelings involved, but that she deserves somebody better than him. And he breaks it off. Which was so sad. So sad. And he takes a promotion and moves back to New York. Again. Um, or doesn't move permanently, but goes back, flies back to New York for the interview and to accept the job. And um, it ultimately results in a permanent stay to New York. Yeah, which Daisy was not okay with, of course. No. She was just like, of course, it's not your fault. I chose to get on that motorcycle. Like, you can't control my decisions. If I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't have done it. Like, you're being ridiculous. And then, you know, he did exactly what he did the first time. And he left and went back to New York. And I think she just really, like, she was hurt that in that way. Like, she was just taken back to the time in high school when he left the first time. Right, like he was just showing that he did it once and now he's doing it all over again. And like I think we said this in part one, shame, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I yeah. think Daisy definitely was feeling that and she was heartbroken. I think she really realized, you know, that those old feelings were still there and they were even stronger now. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a moment for both of them in different ways. Like Liam was like, I really love this girl. I can't be with him or with her. And then Daisy was like, I really love this guy. He needs to be with me. Right. So then things get super crazy because Liam leaves for New York and then he realizes that he's wrong, of course, because he was. And so he is like, you know what? I need to be with Daisy. So he comes back to San Francisco, doesn't tell Daisy that he's coming. And then 
shows up at her house trying to get her back and she's not there because she's at her dad's wedding. Well, who's at her house? But of course her aunties. So the aunties are like, oh no, she is actually at a wedding. Well, Liam misunderstands, thinks that that Daisy is getting married. So he starts freaking out and then he realizes that it's actually her dad's wedding and they, it's just, it was so, I feel like so much happened in the last few chapters. Like, Sanjay comes back. Sanjay talks to Daisy. Daisy realizes that Liam's back. Liam thinks that she's married. She's not getting married. It was just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, so those last few chapters were definitely crazy. I mean, crazy. Tell me your thoughts. How much, like, tell me what you thought of the book overall. Like, what are your thoughts and feelings? Yeah, so overall, I really liked the switch that we made into a light and upbeat romantic comedy after coming down from this close to okay, which was really deep and emotional. So I really liked the lightheartedness of it. I loved the humor in it. And definitely after picking Sarah's brain a little bit on the book, I think I get a better understanding of the characters. And so I appreciate Daisy's quirkiness more. And yeah, I mean, I really like it. Overall, I'm going to give it a four out of five stars. That's my rating. And I will say it's the first romance that I have read and actually liked probably since last summer. It's honestly been that long for me since I've read a romance that I actually like and would rate that high. So it's, yeah, definitely recommend. But speaking of us speaking to Sarah to say, let's go into our interview and let's welcome her. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Oh, thanks very much for having me. So as y'all know, we just wrapped up our discussion on the dating plan. Um, which we both really enjoyed. So we're excited to pick your brain a little bit and okay. get to know you a little more. So uh, to start, tell us a little bit about where you're from and just a little bio about you. Okay. I live um, on Vancouver Island um, in BC. Uh, so we've already had our got our spring here. We've got our daffodils up and our snow drops and we had, we had our one day of snow. So that was very exciting. Um, I've been writing for quite a while. I used to write under a different pen name. I did more um, racy suspense type um, gritty books. And um, I wanted to be able to sort of take my sort of uh, heritage together with um, moving into something lighter and fun to do rom-com. So I started writing uh, romantic comedy as Sarah Desai. Okay. And it's been been super fun. I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. So I read that you used to be a lawyer, a radio DJ, a bouncer, all yeah. kinds of things. So tell us how you kind of transitioned from that into writing and why you got into writing. Uh, well, the, before I we before I started writing seriously, I'd always been writing, but before I started writing seriously, I was a lawyer, um, and uh, I'd been working in England and London, and we moved back to Canada, and I was going to go back to being a lawyer, but um, I got ill, 
And it took me a long time to recover. And while I was recovering, my husband said, well, you know, you've always wanted to write a book. Why don't you do that? You know, because you can't go back to work right now. So I thought, oh, everybody said you write what you know. So I knew law and I loved romance. So I thought, oh, I'll put those two things together. And so I wrote a romantic legal thriller. And it turned out to, um, I entered into a whole bunch of RWA contests and it did really well. I got an agent, I got a contract, and um, I got another contract. I thought, oh, I'm not going back to law. This is (laughs) (laughs) You were sold. (laughs) So you mentioned that you used to write kind of gritty thrillers. Uh, Do you think you would ever write a different genre than romantic comedies than you're writing now? Uh, well, I did. I did sort of go through. I did suspense, and I did um, like I wrote about bikers and MMA fighters, the mafia. Um, I did one a series that had sort of people, um, cops and lawyers and stuff. So I've sort of been through all of those. I haven't really. I haven't done any historical romance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I read that you used to be a historian. So. <laughs> I really love the romantic comedies. I think they're fun and they're light and, you know, it's very uplifting. So I'm really enjoying that right now. Yeah, we (laughs) came off of um, This Close to OK is the first book we read, which was really deep and emotional. So switching from that to the dating plan was really uplifting and kind of a light (laughs) switch for us. So we were very glad that we did that. so what genre do you prefer to read? Oh, I I stay in romance. I mostly okay. read romance. Yeah. I have um, a friend who, um, she's been my friend since um, grade four. And every year she sends me at Christmas a book that she's read during the year that she's loved. And um, I send her one. And so she's the one who always gets me out of romance to read. Okay. <laughs> I love that idea. That's Absolutely. neat. Get a little inspiration. Yeah. So she always picks sometimes like one was a Pulitzer Prize winner or one just really resonated with her. So uh, other than romance, I'll read her books, but um, stick with, with the romance. Okay. Part. Yeah. One thing that's really important in your books is the multicultural aspect. So why do you kind of choose that as a staple point in the marriage plan and the dating plan. Well, because it's um, it, it's half my heritage, and it's something that there, you know when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of books with um, Indian heroines in them, um, or, or you know people that you know, that where the culture was reflected in there, where I could read them and I'd say, oh, those are like my aunties, or you know I had a meal like that, or you know something really authentic, and um, it, it seemed that things in the, the romance genre were moving ahead and people were being more open to um, own voices types of books. And I thought it was a great opportunity to to let those voices be heard. Yeah, I loved reading it because it's so different from anything that I grew up with. You know, my family's all from Ireland and Britain. And so I related to the Irish heritage in the book, but learning about a whole new culture, it was really interesting. So I love that aspect of your novel. Yeah, and we talk about recipes a lot on here, too. So we loved the recipe and the food aspect (laughs) in there as well. So we loved that. There's a funny story about that because um, I didn't want to put anything in the book that, you know, my family hadn't tried. You know, some of those are are just very traditional and and favorite, um, 
recipes and foods that people eat. But I thought, you know, I have to make sure if I'm getting, you know, doing a description of how they were cooked or how they tasted. So my family had to um, try a lot of recipes and some of them were and some of them didn't. <laughs> I loved it. I want to talk about the cover a little bit. Really, all of your book covers, the marriage plan, the dating plan, they're so bright and beautiful. Take us through the process of kind of designing the covers and do, where do you get the ideas from? Oh, I, I wish I could take credit for the covers, but it's the team, the design team at Berkeley. Um, they, they made the covers. They came up with the concepts. Okay. And they just did such an amazing job. They sent me a cover to say, oh, what do you think? And I was just like, do you have any changes? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. They're, I mean, they're all so bright and pretty. It's just, it's yeah. very yeah. eye-catching. I like it a lot. Um, I'm actually going to take us a little bit into the questions about the book. So what is your writing process? Like, can you talk to us about how you get your ideas for your books? What is your biggest inspiration for them? Um, I, I think it, it's sort of just you live your life and you have a lot of experiences and all those things sort of settle over you like a blanket and you sit down and they, they come out and little bits and pieces of them come out when you're writing. There, there's always a little bit of fact behind every scene um, or a comment that somebody has made and I think that's what it, how it comes out for me I'm not um I'm not a plotter I'm I, I cannot plot a novel from beginning to end and then sit down and write it I'm the kind of person who sits down at the computer and I start to write and I always have an idea of the the kind of characters that I want the characters especially in romance the characters drive the story so you have you do have to know who those people are so I will sit down and sort of make a sketch of, the, of these characters and then I'll sit down and I'll put them in different situations to see how they react. And sometimes they don't react well and I'll be, I'll, it tells me that I've missed something in their character or I'm not being authentic to them. So that's how, how it usually happens for me. I, I usually don't know how the book is going to end until I get there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, How does that process fit into the dating plan? So what was your biggest inspiration for the dating plan? And how did you come up with the idea behind it? The idea, I really wanted to, I've got um, a daughter who's in high school, she's very interested in STEM and in becoming a software engineer. And so I, th I started researching that with her, you know, so we understood and I thought, well, there are not a lot of STEM heroines up there, I'd love to have my character, you know, be in this industry, and it's an, a, mostly a male-dominated industry, and, you know, what's she going to be like if she's in there, and I sort of built her character around that, and then I needed, you know, I wanted a character for her, someone who was very different, someone who was opposite to her, um, and I felt that the way that they would be get together is they had to know each other before, they had to know that they shared something in common. Um, and so that's why I decided that he should be, you know, her brother's best friend, someone she had grown up with, um, and had that connection. So that otherwise, it, it, I felt that it might not be an authentic connection between them. They were two people who might not otherwise get together, but they did truly know each other. So then they I just had to bring them back together in the end. Yes, absolutely. And I loved all of the scenes of her being, you know, the STEM student and the the not your typical heroine and then taking her and putting her in a tech conference. You know, that was just, I love seeing her in real life situations like that. So that was really, that was a really fun thing to see. 
And my next question for you, where did her quirkiness come from? You know, like her marble underwear and her, I think it was the Hulk bra <laughs> and everything, you know, what were your inspirations behind that kind of thing? I was just, I was just on the internet. I knew I wanted her to be a big Marvel fan. My daughter is a big Marvel fan. So I've, you know, we, we have the figurines everywhere. We have, we've seen all the movies. So, so I knew a lot about it and I was just sort of going through the internet and I came across the underwear and I just thought you would have to be a fan <laughs> to be wearing this underwear. So I thought I wanted her to have it. <laughs> Another thing we really enjoyed about Daisy's character is the company that she worked for, uh, for Organic Hair. Can you, was there like a specific company you were basing it off of? Or can you tell us just a little bit about her company and building that? I wanted her because she was in a male dominated industry doing something that, you know, is, is, is women are, are, are getting into that field, but I wanted it to, I wanted to bring, um, something that was that was um, very female centric into the company that she was working for. And, uh, and I wanted it to be very forward thinking. I wanted it to be about women. And, and that one seemed to be a natural, a natural fit. Absolutely. I specifically loved, you know, as you say, it is a definitely a male dominated company, as we can see. But when she, they pitched the unicorn and rainbows and all that, that campaign that they want to run. And she's like, this just isn't it. That's not yes. how we feel. I love that. And I loved that, you know, they took her serious and offered her a promotion after that. So I thought that Absolutely. was really cool. Yeah, it was super relatable because I remember even in college being in business classes, you know, getting paired up with a group of men and feeling like either my opinions weren't heard or, you know, they thought it was too girly or something, you know, unicorns and rainbows. And so I just, I loved seeing her in different industries like that. Um, and I especially like the people that she worked with, like all of her coworkers. Can you tell us about, you know, building side characters and what the writing process looks like when creating a main character or creating side characters? I wanted side characters that she could sort of bounce ideas off, somebody that would, you know, support her in different ways, but also open her up to, because um, her character at the beginning, she's she's got her family and she's very close with her family, but at work, she's quite isolated. She puts herself in the corner, she puts on her headphones, and I needed to give her some characters who would draw her out because she's a very giving person. and. They, you know, that each character had sort of a need that she was able to fill. She was able to help one of the, one of her um, side characters with her, her child care. She was able to help another one with another issue. So it was a way for her to be drawn out of her little corner and take off the headphones and see, you know, the work people around her and, and integrate with them. Because in the end, I did know I wanted her to be leading the company and to do that you need to be you know you need to know the people and you need to be involved so i created those characters just to do that for her if you could pick any character in the whole book who do you think you would be best friends with in real life who do you think you would pull out <laughs> into the real world i would like to be friends with liam i really yes, enjoyed his great great choice. <laughs> Be best friends, baby day. I don't know. I love the bad boy, the leather jacket. I just, I loved it. And I love that they're polar opposites. It just, it made so much sense to me. Oh goodness, so, yes. And I, a lot of the reviews I read on Goodreads too, they not only loved Daisy and Liam's character, but the side characters as well. I saw a lot of very positive reviews about 
how you know the side characters really brought it all together so yes and speaking of liam's character i loved the scene where you wrote about them taking the motorcycle trip down the coast and you know stopping at every place that he loved like i just i could see it happening and i thought it was such a great way to show his character you know who he was before when he came back into Daisy's life. So that was a really interesting scene. Um, I know that some people were confused about how the conflict for Daisy and Liam, it all originated back into high school. So can you tell us when did you decide to make her conflict about prom night? Because, you know, some people think that prom night is this huge monumental thing. And then some people, you know, they can't really relate to it. It might just be a group of friends. And so tell us a little bit about creating that conflict for the story. Well, I wanted her to, um, she needed to have some conflict, some way to break with Liam. And I didn't think that it was going to be enough that he just left. You know, that Absolutely. that was a big break for her brother because they were best friends. But she didn't have the same kind of relationship with him. And so it had to be something that would really wound her and, you know, drive her forward and make it difficult for her to get back together. And because she was a bit geeky in her high school, um, you know, she wasn't that popular. She, she, she was very much her own self, but, but apart from the rest of the school, just like she was when she was at her work, right? A little bit separate and different. And so for her to have, first of all, the guy she had a, the hugest crush on, ask her to go, and then, you know, that she would have a date for the prom, thinking that she would be the kind of person who wouldn't have a date for the prom. I thought those two things would make it a very important time for her and something she was super excited about and that she would get very hurt if he wasn't there. Absolutely. Yeah, me and Madison were actually talking in the first discussion a lot about how it's such a relatable topic, you know, growing up having a crush on your older brother's best friend (laughs) or going over to friends' houses and having a crush on like the older guy. And so I definitely think, you know, that it resonates with a lot of people being left like that. Yeah. So is there any other comments that you want to talk about before we move into our closing questions about the dating plan or about any of the characters or the writing process? The motorcycle that he rides, my my husband has had quite a number of motorcycles over the years. Um, and the one that she is riding on is one of his, and I had never ridden on the back of a more uncomfortable, like the pillion seat of that. <laughs> that was so <laughs> uncomfortable. And the process, like that was very personal. The process of, you know, I, I, was, I was sitting there and I thought, this is awful. What do people say about this, this pillion seat? So I went online and I saw those pictures that I put in the book of this beautiful woman perched on the seat and her hair is blowing in the wind. And I was just like, you know, I was clawing onto him and, and we were bumping up and down and it was just a painful ride. So I thought, oh, I have to put that in the book, you know? Like yes. <laughs> so the I mean, that makes so much sense. The real pain. <laughs> yes. That makes sense why I could see it. You knew exactly how to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thoroughly enjoyed reading The Dating Plan. We picked it for our February months to be kind of like a Valentine's Day, a fun romance comedy. Uh, and I see that you also have a new book coming out, The Singles Table, which covers also beautiful. Um, what do you want us to tell our listeners to know about the book? When is it coming out? What's it about? All the details. Oh, it's coming out um, November 16th of this year. 
Um, it's it's sort okay. of a, a grumpy um, military hero and a sunshiny character pairing. And um, what else can I tell you? But it's really fun. It's 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 a very you know they're very different, um, very different characters. But I'm I'm really loving the 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 heroine in this book. She's just a really fun, um, positive, optimistic person, and she's she's going to draw out this really grumpy guy and you know change his life. I can't wait. Okay, that's awesome. So, what's the most rewarding part of being a published author? I just like, I love the idea of having a story that um, brightens people's day or, you know, uplifts somebody. I really, I really enjoy that aspect when I get emails from people saying, you know, I love the story. I was having, you know, a terrible week or something and I picked it up and, and it made me feel great. It, I, that is very rewarding. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I saw on your website that you're a fan of nachos. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we all are. I think we're all, everybody should. One thing we do is we do like to share some recipes. Is there a family recipe or any kind of recipe that you make often that you would like to share? That's kind of hard <laughs> off the top. I know, pop quiz. <laughs> Yeah, we usually just do like a monthly, like what was our favorite thing we made from the month or like a favorite recipe or dessert that we had from a restaurant. It can be anything. Well, I've got three girls and their favorite dessert, which we make quite often, is um, it's a chocolate cream trifle. So it's got a layer of chocolate cake and then a layer of um, chocolate pudding and then a layer of cream and then a layer of um Oreo cookies, crushed Oreo cookies, and then we repeat it. And then we cover the top with light chocolate. So <laughs> that sounds yeah, I'm gonna have to make that. <laughs> See, we always save the recipes for last because we always get so hungry after we talk oh about goodness, them. Yes. So the dating plan actually releases March 16th. So um, when you're listening to this. If you haven't already gotten your copy or pre-ordered it, be sure to get your hands on it and give it a read. Um, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming yeah. on. We loved interviewing you. You're our yeah. first guest, so um, we hope it wasn't too bad for you. <laughs> no, it was super fun. Super fun. Thank you so much. Good. We're glad. We're glad. Is there anything else that you want to tell listeners or anything else you want to no, mention? No, I think that's it. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And we look forward for the dating plan coming out. And I'm going to spread it to all my friends and family. Thank you very much. Yes. And we'll definitely pick up the singles table too when it comes out. So we're watching thank for you. that release thank date. Thank you very much. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at BookSwitesBooze. Shoot us an email, BookSwitesBooze at gmail.com. And I'm going to leave you on this note. The next book that we will be reading is The Night Swim by Megan Golden. So our next episode will cover halfway through that book. If you've already read it or you have it on your shelf, read along with us. I'm so excited to get back to our thriller roots, Alexis. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so good. So can't wait to talk about that in the next episode. And we'll see you guys then. Bye.